0: Hello, and welcome to Inside the Cylinder, episode 111. I am Matt Way, one of your hosts, uh, writer for Detroit Bad Boys. And as always, I'm joined by my legendary co-host, David Fernandez. David, what's going on?
1: Legendary, man. Okay, I will take that. Uh, I don't know, legendary for what might be the uh, question, the follow-up there, but... uh... I'm um, I'm doing well, man. You know, uh, just been watching the news a lot today, and obviously following everything with the trial. So, was happy to see you know that sort of first step, I guess, kind of come through today. But um, all in all, man, I am doing well. How about yourself?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm good. I've I've certainly been following it myself. Um, I I work in that area. Um, and I've, I've been in the middle of a, a murder trial, um, and, and seeing kind of what kind of peace of mind, uh, something like this can, can bring a, a victim's family. Um, so it was, a, it was, def- it's definitely been a heavy day. Um, but, uh, hopefully we can bring some, some, uh, levity to our, uh, our listeners with some, uh, Pistons talk and, a, a, a mailbag
1: episode. For sure, definitely, and uh, there's a lot to talk about, Um, and thank you everyone who did submit some questions, Uh, we appreciate that. Any engagement, even if you want to say, hey, your show sucks, like we are listening, so anything you got for us, definitely feel free to always throw it in the comments on uh, DetroitBadBoys.com or directly to us on Twitter at InsideTheCylNDR, but I'm ready to start hitting some of these cues, Matt
0: all right well let's start um we'll start with uh and we can probably go a little longer on this um I, I i was having a conversation with my friend who was asking he i think he he was watching one of the games where all the all the rookies were kind of showing out and you know he asked if if anybody had a chance at rookie of the year i said well no like that's not going to happen so that turned into can Sadiq bay and isaiah stewart make one of the all-rookie teams so what are your thoughts about that David and and maybe we could go through and uh and uh maybe predict what we think the all-rookie team might look like
1: yeah so I uh viewed this more of like the all-rookie first team because they do a second team as well um yes but I, I was using this more from like the the all-rookie first team perspective and I definitely think right now that uh one of those Pistons are going to be on it when the season concludes. Uh, I guess just for me, and I'd be interested to hear what your top four are, you know, maybe before we get into the Pistons, um, unless you have both of them making first team. Um, But for me, what I have it as right now, no Pistons being mentioned here is Anthony Edwards. I think he's going to run away with rookie of the year. Um, You know, he's, putting up 18 a game. He's pretty much stuffing the stat sheet and uh, he's been doing it all season. So I think that uh, just because he has been more available than LaMelo ball, um, that might uh, cement him as the rookie of the year. Uh, I also have Tyrese Halliburton in there uh, who's played really well. Uh, 11 points, five and a s- five and a half assists. Uh, Lamelo Ball, as I mentioned, he definitely deserves it. They did say that he might be coming back soon. So I guess there's still a chance that he has a, uh, an opportunity to uh, reclaim, I guess, the Rookie of the Year award, because a lot of people did see him as that uh, before he was injured. And then I have Ja'Sean Tate in there, more so because of what I've heard about him, not as much from what I know, because I'm going to be honest here, I haven't watched a ton of Rockets games. So I'm just kind of essentially leaning on people who have watched him, have been extremely impressed with him. Um, I'm just going to kind of trust the the masses there. So that's who I have as like the, the four in there right now. Uh, do, how about you, Matt? Who do you have in there that aren't Pistons right now? Or do you have any Pistons that are in there right now?
0: So I... I am a big Jason, Jay Sean Tate fan. Um, I think he definitely deserves to be first team. He, I, I wouldn't call him a lock though. Like I think the three locks are certainly Edwards ball and, and Halliburton. Um, then I, I think you kind of have maybe three, four, one, one spot or two spots that being Jay Sean Tate Sadiq Bay, and Emmanuel Qu- quickly, um, you know, Sadiq's played a decent amount more than than Emmanuel quickly in terms of minutes. He's scored more points. Um, you know, he's not on as good a team, certainly. But we've 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 seen kind of the explosions that he's had, um, the the shooting from deep. And if I had to guess, I would guess that that the final two would be Jay Shante and Sadiq Bey.
1: Yeah. And right now the, uh, on the NBA ladder scale on NBA.com, they have Sadiq Bey in there comfortably as like the, the fifth option, uh, or the fifth spot. Uh, and, and I was kind of looking over both Isaiah Stewart's and Sadiq Bey's last 10 games. Uh, I think that's where we've really seen some of the explosion games from Isaiah Stewart's, you know, some, uh, I guess from like a SAS perspective, some games that reminded you of uh, Andre Drummond, you know, some damn near 20, you know, he had a 15 and 22 game. He had like a 19 and 12 game or something like that. But over his last 10, he's at 11 and a half points, 10 rebounds, shooting 64% from the floor, 50% from three. He's really, really come on strong here as of late. Uh, so, And I think part of that has to do with him getting more nods in the starting lineup with Mason Plumlee having sat a a majority of these last uh, few games over the last couple of weeks. Um, So I I could see an avenue where if he really keeps this up, uh, he may be able to, to even jump Sadiq Bey just because I think he's doing a little bit more on both ends of the floor compared to Sadiq Bey's really been dynamite from three he's been pretty solid uh in his defensive role but I think just having watched this team it Isaiah Stewart definitely pops more to me uh on the screen just from everything that he's able to do all of like the uh, the little things that aren't even gonna show up on, on a uh, stat sheet but yeah you know it, 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 he would have to keep that up so he would have to keep getting those starting opportunities it's probably a little too late for him but I do think there could even be an avenue for him to to, deep, to jump his teammate in Sadiq Bay, just kind of based on what he's shown us over these last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, and, and you know if they win some more games, um, <clears throat> and Stewart keeps playing like he has, like not just the numbers, but if you watch him, like his defense has just been incredible. It was incredible the uh, last night against the Cavs in that win. He he's he's becoming like a legitimately good defender as a rookie Um, which you just you don't see a whole lot except for like the truly great players in the draft the truly great rookies Um, you know the the one avenue I think you know if he continues to play well and you know maybe the voters are just going to say you know what like these two young Pistons have just been awesome this year and let's put them both on, you know, you, I I could see that sort of sentiment from voters. You get some weird rationale from voters. Um, So something like that, I think could play a role. Um, I I still think that it's going to be Emmanuel quickly has been quite the story, even though, you know, he hasn't started like those two have. Um, I don't know that he's had as consistent an impact when he's been on the floor. You know, he, his his early start was great, but but he's got that that New York glow about him, so that that's certainly going to help him there. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting, though. Um, I, I think the whoever doesn't get on the first team, or even if they neither of them get on, um, I think it, there's a strong likelihood that that they're both on at least the first and second teams.
1: Let me ask you this. Who is your Pistons Rookie of the Year?
0: So my Rookie of the Year in terms of value, like value added this year, that's kind of how I look at these awards, would be Sadiq Bae. Um, You know, I'll tell you, I'm getting more to the point where if you made me choose one of them, I'd probably choose Isaiah Stewart, which is crazy maybe, but he – he, the, his prototype, what he's kind of turning out to be and what he could be is just to me, just a really, really, really high level center. Um, and I think his skill set has the potential to be less replaceable than Sadiq's.
1: That's fair. I mean, it's a good problem to have. I, I think that the problem for uh, for Isaiah Stewart is just maybe the amount of games that he's been able to impact compared to Sadiq Bey who's really been have, have have had a long look here in the starting lineup now for for quite some time now for the last few months um and his numbers you know and these things do come into play when when it comes to the voters and stuff like that you know that Isaiah Stewart isn't going to be able to like hop him in points per game and sometimes that's really what these like rookie uh, awards come down to is like who's scoring the most uh so i don't necessarily As I said, I could see an avenue in that happening, Um, but I, yeah, I I mean, it's just kind of hard for me. I'm definitely going through some recency bias for sure here, just because how much Isaiah Stewart, as I mentioned, has popped in in some of these last few games, and just as you mentioned too, Matt, just some of the things that aren't going to even show up on a box score, just his defense, his ability to know where he's supposed to be, his strength down low, his um, ability to rebound, you know, understanding his size uh all the stuff that he's been able to do uh it, both on defense and on offense being a, a really nice option for Killian Hayes uh it's just really really stood out to me recently so i think i am kind of going through that but Sadiq bay has had you know he's already been a player of the week in the eastern conference right he's always he's already uh he he just went off the other night and had went 6 for 6 from 3 in the first quarter uh so he he definitely has these sort of explosive outings as well. Uh, it's a good problem to have. Uh, so I, I, I think I'm going to also stick with Sadiq Bey as my Pistons rookie of the year right now. But you ask me that at the end of this season, and we might be having a completely different conversation.
0: Yeah, it's a great problem to have. And I would not trade either of them, just for the record.
1: <laughs> yeah, me either. Uh, all right, so should we move on to our, our next question then? Sure. So this was submitted by at Rhett Bauer. So Rhett underscore Bauer. Thank you for sending this in. Uh, And his question is, what are the chances Detroit trades Jeremy Grant? And he prefaced it saying, I know he came there to show he can do more, but considering how important of a position he plays and that there are some solid wings in the draft What would you want Weaver to do if a team like the Pacers called offering a big? So, Matt, what are your thoughts on that?
0: So, um, I guess just with the original question, what are the chances that Detroit trades, Jeremy? I guess I'm going to consider this like, so we're going to consider that through his current contract, I assume. Um, So, we got two more years, you know, he, he would be... 29 towards the end of his i guess he would be he would turn 29 right around the the trade deadline when his contract is expiring um with all the youth you know if you you might find a contender or a borderline contender who wants the 3-4 that Jeremy Grant provides, the defense, the the shooting in a lesser role to put them over the top. And if they are close to contending, they might give you a lot of assets for it. Um, so I think there is a chance that Detroit trades them. I think that is the that is the only realistic way I see it happening. Um, but so I'll, I'll put the odds there. It may be like twenty percent, which I think is probably higher than people um might think. Um, I don't think it's likely, but I, I definitely think it's it's possible. What about you?
1: They'll certainly get the calls. Uh and when you say the you know, you might get uh some solid assets, are you thinking something along the lines like we saw last season with like the Drew Holiday trade where he was sort of seen as that guy to get the Milwaukee Bucks over the hump slash it was impactful in Terms of uh, Giannis's uh, re-signing and them sort of uh, appeasing Giannis so that he would return—is that the the type of uh, and that was known as like a king's ransom for Drew Holiday, but something along those lines when it comes to like the type of package that you would even expect from one of these say contenders that uh, might be looking to you know cement themselves as a champ down the road.
0: Yeah, um, I don't think you're going to get you know the Drew holiday situation is unique in that M- Milwaukee wanted to get Giannis to sign that max um so like that was a huge deal so you're not going to get a team to give up as much but you know what if you can get a couple first round picks which are late first rounds you know but they're first rounds nonetheless which carry value in the league um You know, and then maybe a a young player and then a solid player that that better fits your timeline. You know, a guy who's 24, 25 and can just provide you with good value as a role player um, and and is on a good contract. Like that's the sort of that's the sort of deal that I would see Troy Weaver being able to pull the trigger on.
1: Yeah, I could see that happening, especially if we do fast forward a couple of years and then you really kind of see where your team stands from. In their ability to contend moving forward, because obviously we're not going high, to highly doubt that you'll be talking about the Pistons as true contenders in uh, the next couple of years. So I could see that happening. I guess for me, just in terms of a value contract, Jeremy Grant has one of the best contracts in the entire league. Like I was looking up just from a production standpoint, sort of who he stands alongside in the league right now. And he's in company with some of the best players in the league, including Paul George, Chris Middleton, Jamal Murray. So I'm not really antsy in looking for trade partners, just kind of knowing that Jeremy at his dollar amount is providing a lot more that, you know, some of these, all of these guys that I'm talking about are, are maxed out in some regards to to when it is that they sign their contracts. So, you know, I'm not itching to, to be moving on from, Jeremy Grant. I guess a player for me that I would definitely consider and I was thinking this more of player for player almost rather than uh you know just a package down the road that I would consider should he become available would be Brandon Ingram, you know. But I don't think Nola is shopping him either, but you do hear the rumblings whether or not him and Zion Williamson can coexist and that's going to be a team that they really trust to you know, finally start contending down the road. So yeah, Detroit would probably have to sweeten the pot in a trade situation there. Uh, But at the end of the day, I, that is one of the guys that I was looking at from, you know, his age, his production uh, that might actually be gettable kind of given what, having an understanding of what Nola would look like and, and if they are actually looking to move on from him. So that was one of the guys that, that I had sort of penciled, but like I said, I don't think New Orleans is looking to move him right now, and I know that Detroit wouldn't, well, a financially wouldn't be able to make just like a player for player swap, but but they would also have to sweeten the pot just kind of given that Ingram is a two time all star and he's also uh, you know stuffing the stat sheet himself and he's also younger than Jeremy Grant. So I was looking at it more from that sort of player for player scenario. Uh, but that is why i'm saying i am not very uh uh i i don't think that detroit is really shopping jeremy grant either just knowing that he is on one of the best value uh contracts in the entire league
0: yeah that, i mean that could certainly be a a way to go as well um you know i don't think he's on the same level as the guys you mentioned, but he He's on a very good contract for sure and he can because of it, but because he's also making 20 million a year, you can use him to match salaries on top of bringing value the value on the core value that he does. Um, so if if there becomes a point in a couple years where you're really happy and there's a guy who's available that you're not going to get in free agency. Um, You know, trading Jeremy Grant may make sense in that in that uh, scenario, too. I, I hadn't thought about that, but I, I think you're absolutely right.
1: Yeah. And I should know, I don't think that Jeremy Grant is up there either with Paul George, Chris Middleton and Jamal Murray. I shouldn't note that. But I was just looking at it more so from, a, OK, what what is their production at right now? And then what are these guys making? And I was just looking across like the stats and it's like, okay, wow. He's in some very, very impressive company. Now some of those guys or all those guys are a bit more efficient than Jeremy Grant. So that matters. But uh, at the end of the day, I think it's just a testament to how good of a contract that is that, that Troy Weaver was able to, uh, to sign Jeremy Grant to. And uh, part of it does have to do with the fact that Grant did want to come here and be the guy and, play for a city like Detroit. So uh, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier with with that acquisition. And, uh, you know, I, it's certainly possible. I think that sort of 15, 20% uh, mark that you had mentioned uh, for the likelihood that he gets moved is probably about right. Uh, but uh, yeah, right now I'm just happy having him and happy, you know, having him be a part of this team for at least the next two years.
0: Yeah, for sure. Troy Weaver is owed many apologies from this off season. You know, I I remember seeing Jeremy Grant on the free agency list when I was kind of looking at possible fits um, and writing some stuff about that. And I would always get to Jeremy Grant and I'd be like, well, yeah, that's, I mean, he would be awesome, but that's never going to happen. And then he gives 20 million and they're giving out a lot of money and it just didn't quite make a whole lot of sense. And, um, you know, it's, it's worked out pretty darn well.
1: Yeah. And I do want to know if we should look back a little bit too, when we were first recording together and like one of our first one or two episodes of this season, we were very concerned about Jeremy Grant as the lead guy. Uh, you know, just after seeing some of his performances in the preseason, uh, those fears quickly subsided, but, uh, I just remember thinking, and obviously I think that this is a testament to don't come up, don't draw conclusions too quickly, uh, but just being very fearful that that Detroit made a, a very bad mistake in, in signing Jeremy Grant to that type of offer sheet because there was really only two teams that were going that high, and one of those teams being the team that he played with previously. So, yeah, I, I was definitely... Uh, concerned but uh, all those fears as i said have subsided and uh you're right a lot of people do oh troy weaver an apology but we know how this goes you won't get that but uh, it's all good detroit's <laughs> looking good for me right now
0: there were a lot i re- I remember that first preseason game and it was it was ugly for for jeremy he was just kind of just barreling into the into guys and in the paint and just taking a lot of jumpers um that weren't falling and like Nuggets fans on Twitter were taking victory laps after preseason <laughs> game number one, and uh, I think uh, I mean they got their they got Aaron Gordon, which is great for them. Um, but they were uh, they were missing Jeremy Grant for most of the year, that's for sure.
1: Definitely. So should we move on to our next one? Yeah. All right. So this is from at the better Markle. So thank you for sending this in. Uh, so his question is. Aside from a truly egregious reach, is there anything the Pistons could do in the upcoming draft that would genuinely upset you? Matt, what say you? (laughs)
0: Um, Great question. Thank you for the question. Um, I guess it depends on what you call like a truly egregious reach. You know, everybody's going to have different opinions based on what the, the pick is. I, I, I assume that people think that if the Pistons have the number one pick and they don't take Cade Cunningham, it's an egregious reach. Like That would definitely upset me. That's kind of number one. Um, number two, I think, would just be if we saw something similar to what we saw this offseason where we are giving up assets Um c- not even unnecessarily like, like, and I think that that was the case this, this off season, but just giving up too many assets. Like I think that the Pistons are in a place right now where, unless you're moving up to number one and getting Cade or, you know, maybe moving up to three, if you're at six or seven or whatever. Um, But the Pistons are in such a good spot. I think with Bay Stewart, Killian Hayes, who's looked really good the last couple of weeks to my eye. Um, you want to be accumulating assets. You know, I, Somebody like Sam Presti, I think, goes a little overboard with that. But when you're in a position to where you've got a young core, you've got an idea of what you want to do, and you need to find a way to get over the top, you, you don't want to be trading up to the middle of the first round or the end of the first round or something like that and giving up multiple picks or, or or players to do that. So if they were giving up assets to make, you know, a move like that to get another Isaiah Stewart type prospect, um, I, I would not be happy with, with that sort of move. What about you?
1: Yeah, so I guess I was seeing this viewed this more as a. Uh, are there any guys that you would want the Pistons to avoid, just in general? And obviously, I don't mean that Detroit's selecting the the projected twenty seventh pick with the tenth, you know, overall pick, or they can't fall that far at least right now. Or with, with the seventh overall pick, and that's what I I think what he means essentially is you don't want to go too far lower. Uh, than where these guys are projected when you're saying an egregious reach. Uh, But for me, the way that I saw it is, uh, you know, so let's say Detroit falls outside of the top five. And uh, so then they're, they're drafting say at, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, kind of depending on where they finish this season. What the two guys that I would want to avoid would be, and I do like this player. The first one would be Davion Mitchell. Um, I you know, I think he's gonna be a solid 10 plus year player in the league. He does have shooting concerns just from his free throw shooting. Uh, I think he was at 65% last season. I don't have that pulled up, but I, I I believe that's what he was at. Uh, he also wasn't a great three point shooter his first couple of years in college. He's an undersized guard. Uh that and Detroit just drafted a point guard in the first round last year, who who I really do believe in. Um so and, and right now he is projected eighth on Draft Express. So that's not even that's not a reach by any means. Detroit could be picking at eighth. Um, another player who I would like them to avoid would be Franz Wagner. Uh, you know, I, and I think this might be as I said earlier, there might be a little bit of recency bias. But after watching him shit the bed in the tournament, I honestly do not want them to touch him with the ten foot pole. Uh, so those are the two guys for me where I would rather. Detroit just not pick them up I, for for two different reasons for sure. Um, I think Franz has his own shooting concerns a, as well, but for me, I, I would just rather have them go out and try and get a guy like Scotty Barnes or Moses Moody or or even a Jalen Johnson. You know, I think those are the types of guys that I would rather have them target. Uh, should they fall outside of the top five and uh, you know miss out on those clear at least top three, top four guys that that uh, we had talked about in our draft episode. So that's the way that I viewed this question, and those are, are the two players for me that I would want uh, uh, the Pistons to avoid. And I should have noted Davion Mitchell is also 22 years old, so he's not as young as some of these other guys that I had just mentioned.
0: Yeah, in terms of that, uh, I would say the one guy, I, I don't have I, – I wouldn't want to take Davion Mitchell that – Early, I don't have the same concerns about Franz. Um, although, I, you know, I could definitely see there being better prospects um, depending on where they're drafting. the The one guy, though, that I would not touch is Corey Kisper um, from Gonzaga. I Hell just no. don't. I just <laughs> don't understand how he is like projected, like you know, around the ten top spot. 10.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, Draft Express, he's top ten right now.
0: It's, it's just crazy to me. I I see him – like like he could turn into a decent player, but I just don't see the upside there.
1: Same. Um, and I think that that's what, where Detroit should be going at right now is, is these upside high upside guys that can hopefully blossom and really become something because uh, that's lots of times what you are looking for when you're a team like Detroit where they're at right now. They're, they're a really bad team. They have a, a young core – um, and you know, you're hoping for guys to, to really pop because right now it's pretty clear that they don't have the guy. Um, so you're really hopeful that they do stick in the top five, but some of those other guys that I mentioned do have the, uh, uh, there, there is a possibility where they do pop and, and they do become one of those, uh, go-to guys that you can rely on for, for years to come. And I don't see it out of Kisper and I, I don't see it out of Wagner and I, and I don't really see it out of Davion. Mitchell, although I do think he's going to be a really good player in the league.
0: Yeah, and so just to kind of add to this, the, like the other more general thing that would upset me is if they they clearly go say fit over, you know, potential or 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 just prospect value. Um, I, I'm not a fan of going fit until you're looking at the end of the end of the first round or if you're if you're a good team you can certainly look for fit like that makes sense but that and 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 there's research out there to support it that choosing fit over just pure value is just not a good way to draft um so something like that would would not not like anger me but it would it would make me a little upset that that they did that um you know but but that's it's it's hard to sometimes sometimes judge that um Until you hear kind of the rationale for the pigs.
1: I completely agree Um, that uh, that would be concerning just because right now fit for sure for Detroit does not matter. Like there's there's so many holes with this team that you could swing that any way you want to go and and say that this guy might fill a a particular void. Um, But at the end of the day, I think you and I are both on the, the same page here where, where it is really more about potential. And that's why with a guy like Davion Mitchell, he is 22 years old. Um, you know, he is probably more ready now to play than some of these other guys. But maybe he's, you know, everything that we saw from him throughout the tournament and his last season as Baylor is is really what you're going to get out of him in, in the league. And that's, it's, it would definitely move the needle for, for some teams. It, it would probably, you know, Detroit just wound up with him. He, they would probably be a better team. But this isn't the type of, needle that we need that needle to be moved much further if we're talking about detroit being anything a, a, of a real competitor in the next three four or five years so that's where i completely agree with you is that you really do need to somehow you need to find one of these guys and they they just i don't think that they have that yet although we're both very very high on stewart bay and then killian hayes with everything that we've seen from him the past couple of weeks
0: Yeah. Totally agree. Um, You know, and, and I know like Laz mentioned it on, I think it was the Pistons versus, versus everybody pod. Like you don't pass up on Evan Mobley because you have Isaiah Stewart. You don't pass up on Cade or one of these wings because you have Killian Hayes like that. That's just not what you do. And I think we're, you know, we're clearly in agreement on that.
1: And I don't think Troy Weaver would do that either. So I I don't have this like fear in me that, that he would do something so silly.
0: No, no, me, me either. That that's why my concerns are more kind of general, especially with the, the value like like giving up assets. That's that that's my biggest concern because we've seen that last off season. This is certainly a, a different off season. So you'd like to see a different mindset,
1: for damn sure. Now, Matt. I'm going to ask you this, and I know this was kind of a hot uh, button take, or not button, well, this was a hot button take, I guess you can say, that was being digested on Pistons Twitter today. Mike Valenti, the known Detroit sports radio personality, had a rant on Frank Jackson. Did you listen to it?
0: I didn't, so I'll let you take the lead on this
1: one. I listened to it, and I can boil down to just this one sentence he essentially just said that he wants him out of town because he's been playing well but been playing well and he is essentially single-handedly in valenti's eyes derailing the pistons tank as he's called him he's a try hard he's the most try hard guy that the pistons have which i a don't even believe in b i don't think that's a bad thing uh and he just went on. It was 12 and a half minutes of him saying that he wants to give Frank Jackson the boot. It was uh, really, really, I, I, it was just the most hot takey type of segment that I've ever heard. Um, really going at Frank Jackson, not as an individual or as a person or anything like that. Just kind of putting like the in, the entirety of, the Pistons winning a couple of their last games on Frank Jackson's shoulders. Uh, Although he has played well, I don't think that that's the case either. Um, But uh, it was, it was something, you know, it it was, uh, there's a reason why a lot of people were like, shut the hell up, Mike, you have no idea what you're talking about. So I, I cannot
0: stand Mike Vellani. I, I try my best not to listen to him. I see clips about him every once in a while. To me, the only thing that Mike Vellini is good for is like Schadenfreude. Like like when he the 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 epic Notre Dame rant from what is it, like 15 years ago, probably now. Um, where he just had a complete meltdown on the air. Like that's the Mike Vellini content that I enjoy. Um he doesn't know basketball. He doesn't frankly know sports that well to me. Like he he follows it but it's not like he's some great, you know, analytical mind of, of any sport. Um, You know, he has made a career on being this like giant troll who, you know, he's very good at what, what he does, but, but it is what it is. Like that's, that's who he is. Um, You know, he infuriates half of the state of Michigan because he, you know, is is a obviously a huge Michigan State guy and and has a great disdain that he doesn't um, doesn't attempt to hide for for Michigan, which is you know that whatever like that doesn't bother me. Um, that's that's kind of the fun fun part of a rivalry. But you know if you go back to like what he said about Jawan Howard, you know he, he was calling Jawan Howard like the worst, just the, the most Michigan, just a horrible horrible hire. Um, clearly not knowing anything about really what Jovan Howard's done since he was in the Fab five or since he began his coaching career. Um, that was, you know, so I, I just don't, don't put any stock into what Mike Volney says and just on a, a bigger, on a, on a broader point, like this notion that they should just get rid of or sick guys to lose every single game. The rest of the year is just, it's just ludicrous to me. Like, you do not want to just purposefully try to lose to, to to create like a losing culture among your young guys. And Frank Jackson, frankly, is a guy who's played so well that you might want to bring him back and to just cut him for no no reason other than to lose like what, one more game, two more games at the most. Um it's it's just totally nonsensical.
1: It was nonsensical. It it, it it didn't come from any, I don't know, like grounded reality to where it's someone could have the thought that, hey, there's a guy that is young, uh, that is making the most of his opportunity, that is playing well and trying hard, even on a bad team, is thus like bad for that team. That just doesn't make any sense at face value, so... Um, I I guess we don't have to go too much more into it, but that does bring me to uh, a question that I had received from actually the uh, old, uh, my old co-host here on uh, Inside the Cylinder, Joey Mack. Um, He had me and him were having a conversation about uh, what it is that, that Frank Jackson's next contract would look like. Now this, I haven't looked too much into, and I guess I wouldn't want to, just position this as hey, let's look at Detroit's cap situation. This is more of like a what is his next contract going to be, whether it be with Detroit or not. Um, but yeah, did, did you have uh any thoughts on what you think Frank Jackson might be getting in, in the offseason? <clears throat> um
0: you know, I, I don't think it's gonna be a whole lot. Um you look at you know he he's not a starter. He's he's a guy who is going to come off the bench and hopefully shoot you into some games. Um, might shoot you out of some games. Um, we the the shooting it's been great, but it's still not like some enormous sample size where we know that Frank Jackson is just a great shooter and he's going to be a great shooter over his career. Um, so. I mean I'm I'm almost thinking like he might get a prove it sort of deal, like one year, five or six million, maybe seven million. I you know, maybe you give him two years. I, I just don't see a whole lot more than that. And really that works to the Pistons' benefit, I think, because I think he is a good he's a guy that really fits what they what they need, um, with shooting and just playing playing the off ball guard position um so i i think they'll be able to get him for for cheap and frankly i expect them to sign him this offseason
1: i completely agree and and i was looking at some of the guys that and, and the one thing that's different for for both of these guys is well a their roles are different um they're older than frank jackson but i looked at reggie bullock's contract for instance he has he had signed uh His last contract was a two-year, $8 million contract. You know, He's the guy that you bring in off the bench and you hope he uh, is hot and provides the spacing that you're looking for. Um, I looked at Bryn Forbes. He's knocking him down from three this year. That might have something to do with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, But he's on a two-year, $5 million contract, another guy that's coming off the bench. I think the high end of this would be what we saw from... Luke Kennard, uh, he's got a four-year, forty-one million-dollar contract, so roughly fourteen mil per year. But they weren't looking at Kennard as strictly like a shooter because he's shown that he can be more than that. Um, so I, I'm in the same boat as you, where I'm thinking that he's going to get a prove it type deal, um, maybe in the the same similar vein that we saw from Josh Jackson. You know, could be something along like the two years 10 million dollar range but you're right there's something to say about Frank Jackson's looked awesome he's looked really really good I think in his last three games he's scored like 16 17 and 19 points or something like that I know he's been shooting been scoring more than 15 points per game um but it, it's not just a small sample size like for it's a small sample size within the season alone like this is something that's been new since you know the new year um, it hasn't been something that we saw from him at the beginning of the season at least consistently so you don't really know all in all what you have in Frank Jackson you hope that he keeps it up but should he keep it up um, then uh, then you're definitely filling a, a need in Detroit because I don't think they're going to be bringing back Wayne Ellington next season obviously and I, I think that he sort of fills that role as that shooter off the bench that you try to get going um as soon as he hits the floor so i don't see him getting a, a massive like three year 21 million dollar contract or anything like that i think if anything it's going to be a one or two year proven type of deal
0: yeah i mean if it, like it could happen if a true weaver and doing casey really like what he's brought really believe in him you know justin holiday this past off season uh, he's a lot older um but he was also a lot more proven so that maybe cancels each other out a little bit. Um, but if you really believe in him, you know, Justin holiday got a three eighteen $18 million contract. Um, that, but that, that could happen. But to me that like, that's the very top end for, for Frank Jackson, you know, he's, he's shooting over 40% on three this year, but he's shot less than a hundred attempts, which is, like a quarter, less than less than a quarter of his career attempts. So his career shooting is still thirty four percent. That's probably more in line with what you're going to expect from him. Um, you know, hopefully this improvement is real, but you, you need to see it more um, or over a, a larger than ninety three point attempt um, sample size.
1: Yeah, and that's the reason why he's playing so much right now because this is the the time where you're going to evaluate who you what you have in some of these guys before you hit the off season and decide whether or not you're going to be you know signing these guys to their next contract with the team or letting them walk off and, into free agency and sign with another group. So there's a reason why, and as I mentioned, and, and as we had talked before on this show if he is able to keep this up, he is filling that hole. There is a hole, you know, there is a lack of shooting on this team. You see it, it pretty often. <laughs> like, there you see the, you see issues with the spacing. You see guys that the not consistently being able to hit. Um, and so if you can get one of those guys on the cheap, then it's definitely worth showcasing him for the remainder of the season, which Detroit is definitely going to be doing. Um Matt, I know you had some, I I think we're going to hit some like surprise questions. And um, I did have one surprise question for you in this vein, if you're ready for it.
0: Yeah, hit me with it.
1: All right. So hypothetically speaking, let's say Detroit does re-sign Frank Jackson. Who's your go-to off the bench shooting guard next season? Frank Jackson or Josh Jackson?
0: Ooh, that's a good one. Um you know, right now, I'm going to say Frank Jackson. Um, Josh, you know, gives you more off the dribble, but he just gets tunnel vision. He doesn't move the ball nearly as well. Um, you know, he he does throw some lobs that are, like, what we're seeing a lot more lobs now with Killing Hayes in, in the game. Um, but – you know, he that, that was one thing he provided to kind of help stretch the, the defense a little bit. Um, but Frank, I think Frank Jackson, frankly, is a better, um, on ball defender or has been at least. Um, you know, Josh is, is a much better help defender. Um, and we've seen that all year, but he he kind of spaces out and loses guys and, um, he, I don't think his fundamentals defensively are, are very good. Um, where Frank Jackson, Frank Jackson's are um, for the most part, he tries hard, and he just has a more valuable skill set to a better team than Josh Jackson does. So I would rather keep Josh Jackson or uh, Frank Jackson moving moving forward and kind of working at him into into a rotation next year, where you're you're hoping to win a, a few more games.
1: Okay. I right now am still on the Josh Jackson train, uh, just for you're right. He does get tunnel vision. There's times where he collides into guys. I think there was a possession last in the last game where he pushed it coast to coast and ran into the paint and there were three guys on him. And then luckily the ball went out on, um, on the defender. So, There's definitely some issues there, but I I think just from what I've seen from him athletically this season, what I've seen for him when he does, when he's on, when he is getting to his spots, when he is carving guys up in his way to the on his way into the paint, um, his ability to finish, uh, his ability to be a willing passer in those scenarios. He, he, you're right. He's he get a little sticky with the ball sometimes, but when it's I'm going to score or my teammates going to score. He's usually not the type of guy that's going to be selfish in those moments. He'll just give it up to the guy that's open. He's been great in transition, both on offense and on defense. So all in all, I I think the highs from Josh Jackson have been a lot higher than, than what I've seen from Frank Jackson. Although Frank Jackson is definitely more of like a hypothetically, if he can keep this up, obviously, sort of fills like more of like that standardized role that you might be looking for from a shooting guard. And you wouldn't necessarily mess up like the flow of the offense where Josh Jackson has sometimes a a propensity to to sort of hijack a, a given possession. But all in all, I, I think I'm still going to be riding with Josh Jackson just because I, I do believe in those highs. And I do think that he's not a complete project right now. I think he's going to get more consistent. I think he's going to become a better decision maker um, and uh, some of that just takes some time within a, a given system. So for me, I'm sticking with Josh Jackson, but once again, this isn't the worst problem to have, kind of given where Detroit currently stands.
0: No, I, I think that's all fair. Um, it's, it's a, it, I think it's a very close call, so I, I wouldn't really – Uh, begrudge anyone either way um and frankly my disdain for Mike Villani might be clouding my uh, answer there but you know um.
1: and also that's not really even how these things work it's not like well this is the guy and that's not the guy you know I think that they're both going to get their opportunities and whoever's playing well and and this is all going to depend on how the roster shakes out they're going to both get playing time you know well if Frank Jackson does return obviously they then would both be getting playing time next season so it's not it, but but just all just in general, you know, I guess who you trust more is kind of how this question is, I guess, more so better framed.
0: Sure, sure. Um, you ready for my question? Hit it. All right. So we've seen, I think, some really strong play from Killian Hayes this uh, the this this last couple weeks when he when he's returned. Um, you know, he's super young. I think he's going to be really good, but if a general manager came to you and said, "What's it going to take to get Killian Hayes off your hands?" Who is, you know, the worst player or you know, relative? I, I it doesn't have to be an exec guy, but but who who are you going to need back in return for Killian Hayes to to trade him at this point?
1: Damn, man, that is a tough question. Uh, do you have someone in mind?
0: So I, I, I do, um, to me and, and, you know, I haven't fully thought this out, but to me, it's, it, it's, it would take someone like Karis Levert who can be more dynamic as a scorer and just put a little more pressure on the defense in that regard. Um, with that said, you know, I'm just going to say like killing Hayes has just impressed the hell out of me this last, these last couple of weeks, his defense is so good for his age um, for his position and learning that position. He's great off the ball. He's good on the ball. His hands are just lightning quick. He, he really creates havoc um, for teams when they're not even expecting it. And, and he gets away with all these steals um, or, or just you know allows his teammates to recover or whatever it is his passing is just elite for his age like it's not uh on lamel's level maybe but it's it's still so good that the pass i don't i don't even remember what was it the thunder the thunder game um oh yeah the uh, yeah, i mean that pass was just abs- skipper. <laughs> yeah like there's just not a whole lot of guys who can make that pass his vision he doesn't play outside the offense. Um, We're seeing him, you know, do more in terms of scoring. He's been getting to the rim a lot more, which is great. I don't know what that offense is going to turn into, but just by virtue of what his defense and passing is already, like to me, the guy is just barring, you know, some sort of major setback, some unexpected regression, like to me he is just going to be a solid player in this league for a long time. That that's just how I see that and and he has the potential to be a lot more than that. And so I'm I'm going to need a guy like Karis LeVert who has proven to score the ball, put pressure on the defense in in different ways and ways that the Pistons really need to take pressure off guys like Jeremy Grant. Um and I don't even know that I would do it for Karis LeVert, but it's going to take I think at least that sort of player for me to get rid of killing Hayes.
1: Yeah. That's a testament to how much you believe in him. And, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of good stuff from him. There's definitely some stuff that I want to see him get better at, like using his right hand more frequently, uh, and not just being, you know, you just kind of see him sort of just, I don't know, just obviously he favors his left. It's his dominant hand, but at, at, it does, it does concern me sometimes it's like, okay. I would like to see you, just trust the right or even go right a little bit more and just kind of see what happens. But um, uh, for me, I guess a guy that that did come to mind was Miles Bridges Uh, and he's never been the crazy stat stuffer. He his career 10 points per game this year. He's only up a tick, but he has just shown a lot, but on both ends of the floor, he's a, a solid rebounder. He's not great. Um, he's, uh, he's been better with the ball in his hand so far this season. Um, he's shooting career high, damn near 40% from three this year. Uh, you know, we all know the dunks and the insanity that he can provide on any given night. Um, but he's a guy that I think is going to get better than, than where he currently stands. And I don't think that the Hornets would be looking for Killian Hayes, seeing how they have LaMelo ball, obviously, but that is maybe one of the, the sort of young guys that I think is going to continue to, to get better and get better and get better and be a really, really good player for a long time. So Miles Bridges is, is the one guy that came to mind for me um, that if, if the trade went down and especially if Detroit got Kate Cunningham in the offseason and you, you sort of found your point guard of the future or whatever, then that wouldn't be, um, you know, that 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 might not be like the worst type of return for, for Killian Hayes, just because he still is a bit of an unknown for me.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I would want a little more, like I could see a, a trade with Miles Bridges. Um, you know, that's, but that's just how I, how I view Killian. I, I, I just love the kid. He's, he's just awesome. And I, yeah, I yeah. really, and don't really, really believe in him. him.
1: Don't tattoo this. Take anybody. Let, oh way. no, no, We're not,
0: <laughs> no. This was this was off the cuff, so that's it's okay. <laughs> a lot harder than uh, I think people people think.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking of young guys that I think are going to, to to take significant leaps. You know, in the next couple of years, and I think Miles Bridges is going to be one of those guys. Um, Dude, he's
0: shown a lot this year.
1: Definitely. Um, <laughs> what's that guy's name for the Hornets? He's going to have a heart attack.
0: Eric Collins. Oh, he's the, he's
1: the best. He is the best. Thank you for, for putting me on to him. I didn't realize it earlier this season, but he is the best. Yeah. I don't have any more, uh, surprise questions, Matt.
0: No, me neither. Me neither. I think we, uh, we covered a lot. I got to rant about Mike Vellani a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I think, we I think we can close it out.
1: That's a W. Um, all right. Well, you know where to find us, DetroitBadboys.com, uh, all new episodes there, and on our Twitter stream, which I had already shouted out earlier uh, in this episode, and on the Detroit Bad Boys Podcast stream. So all of the given services, iPod or iTunes or Apple Music, whatever it's called, and Spotify and Google. Matt is at way on Twitter. I'm at the underscore underscoreferential. And I will not be here next week But Matt will have a special guest on for you So uh, TBD I think But looking that way So keep an eye out for that next week And uh, yeah, we'll catch y'all later Peace